Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Emil Show. Today, I'm going to talk about insecurities. Hey, we all have them. And those insecurities don't seem to improve the quality of our lives. In fact, insecurities can be one of our biggest downfalls in the the way we live our lives, how we show up, and the quality of our relationships. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what those insecurities are and how we can minimize those insecurities so that they don't take control over our lives. The quality of our lives depends on the quality of our relationships. But what is it that determines the strength or quality of our relationships? For over 20 years, I've been working in the trenches of relationship recovery and greatness. I empower people to take charge of their relationships and single-handedly bring about desired outcomes. This show cuts through the fluffy stuff and gets to the nitty-gritty of what makes a relationship work. I'm going to teach you practical tools and principles to transform the important relationships in your life and bring about greater satisfaction and fulfillment. Get ready to transform your life through the power of relationship skills. It's time for The Emil Show. Think how often our lives and our relationships are hijacked by our insecurities. We panic. We end up saying things and doing things in this fight-or-flight moment when we are triggered and our insecurities take over. We end up saying things and doing things that while we are saying them and doing them, we are going, wait a minute, we should stop right now. Things are going to get bad. Pull up, pull up. And no, it's like our insecurities are taking over and literally sabotaging our relationships. And in some aspects, parts of our lives. Here's a question. Why are our insecurities so powerful? I mean, aren't they supposed to serve us? And if they're supposed to serve us, why are they causing us so many problems? I'm insecure myself. What I find is pretty much everybody is insecure. The people that I thought, man, those people, those people, they've got life figured out. And so those people, man, They shouldn't have any insecurities because they have everything that a person can want. And what I find is those people also have insecurities. Everybody does. Now, even though everybody has insecurities, the role those insecurities play will vary. Some people's insecurities seem to be the person, the part of them that actually takes over their entire lives. And for others, the insecurities become a nuisance. Well, how do we make those insecurities less powerful in our lives? How do we overcome those insecurities? Well, we first need to understand what those insecurities are. Insecurities are a natural defense mechanism to protect us from losing our accessibility to resources. That that was a mouthful. Our insecurities are a kind of a biological response when we sense that there is a potential threat to our ability to access resources, comfort, connection, value, meaning, a sense of safety and security in our lives. And our insecurities are what we call that primal response of self-preservation, defensiveness. And those insecurities are the messages that we have filed away that 
provide some sense, even though it's pretty pathetic, a sense of logic to the reasons why we get defensive. Let's um, let's kind of do a deeper dive into a, a specific situation of when insecurities take over. So earlier this week, I met with a, a woman, a woman who in anyone's standards would be considered, you know, beautiful. She's a 10. And as a 10, you would think, gosh, you, you don't have insecurities anymore. Why would you have insecurities? I mean, everybody wants to be with you, um, have a relationship with you. And the thing is, is in addition to being a beautiful woman, she's also very sweet, kind, nice, intelligent, a caring mom, all this kind of stuff. Well, the interesting thing is, is she has insecurities. And those insecurities come from some of the situations she's had in life. And the stories we tell ourselves, the story she tells herself, is when she isn't, when she gets rejected by someone important to her in her life, or she isn't treated kindly, she's been told all her life how beautiful she is. And so what she starts to think is, is, well, maybe I'm beautiful, but maybe who I am as a person isn't enough. Maybe I'm just not a good person. Maybe I'm not a a person that people like. Now that's another flavor of insecurity that she carries with her. And how could that interfere with her life? Well, she may not give herself credit to be a desirable, lovable person because the insecurity is, hey, you know what? All you are is pretty and people don't really like who you are. So maybe you should change your expectations. And so if a relationship is strained, she might not appeal to her sense of connectability. She may use what does work and that's her looks. So you can see how when somebody has an insecurity, that insecurity can take over something that's going on in their life. And we all have these insecurities. So how do we handle those insecurities? Because we do have them. How do we minimize them? How do we manage them so they don't take over? First off, we have to realize that we're not going to get rid of our insecurities. We can't. Getting rid of our insecurities is it's just it's not going to happen. It's like getting rid of the fight and flight response. Now what we can do is we can train. We can train for situations and then design how we want to respond to them differently. Everybody has insecurities from the person who has a ton of money Are they only liked because they have money? Do people only respect them because they have money? Okay. They also might think, well, I could lose all this money. So they feel insecure about being able to keep the money that they work so hard to get because people who have a lot of money are judged quite a bit for how they use their money. Well, they should do this with their money. Well, if I had this money, then they should do this and this and this and this. And so people have a lot of financial success are constantly being judged by those who wish they had that money. Beautiful people, we just talked about. Rich people, we just talked about. Every day, you and me, we all have insecurities because we're looking at people who have more and we wonder, are we ever going to compare? Are we ever going to make it? Because these people have made it. And we think to ourselves, but if I could just make it, then I wouldn't have all these insecurities. Okay, I hope by now I have dispelled the myth that people can be without insecurities. Therefore, we need to learn how to manage them and deal with those insecurities. I like to think about insecurities as the consultant that pops up in our minds 
whenever there is a disappointment, a hurt feeling, or a frustration. So let's say I'm going through my life, things are going fine, and then something happens. My wife gives me a look, or somebody makes a comment, someone makes a, a judgment about me. And as soon as that judgment leaves their mouth, before I'm able to even process that situation, my primal brain has kicked in and has done a very rudimentary, okay, a pre-conscious assessment of the situation. This is not good. We should get defensive. And so that defensiveness triggers this physiological release of hormones. And then part of our brain, the amygdala, begins to make sense of that. And that's where our insecurity comes from. The insecurity is a very primal, not very intelligent part of our brain that is designed to preserve us and protect us. Okay, so you think about that. A part of our brain that's not that intelligent is responsible to preserve and protect us from potential harm or the situation that might put us in where we don't have access to the resources that we need, love, attention, resources, comforts. And so as soon as a situation happens, our senses pick up the situation, our primal brain assesses the risk without frontal cortex reasoning, and then our, our amygdala kicks in our insecurities. And the insecurities are the stories we tell ourselves. So now you can imagine this little puppet thing, you know, we've got this little internal puppet that's describing the situation, telling us what's happening, like a play-by-play interaction about the situation. And it is terrible. It is not very well thought out. But in that situation of vulnerability, in that fight-or-flight panic mode, we take that information to be like gospel truth. So I'm going to give you a really terrible, minimal scenario just to make the point. Now, you guys can go, oh my gosh, Emil, that's pathetic. It isn't the story that's important. It's the mechanism, all right? So imagine this. Every, almost every day before I go home, I text my wife, hey, babe, I'm coming home. I'll be home in a few minutes. Well, what happens when I show up at home and I didn't text her that I'm coming home? Now, Out of a hundred times, maybe one out of a hundred times, I will not text her, okay? It could be because I had a total distraction, totally spaced it because I'm stressed out about something, or I'm on the phone and preoccupied, and so I didn't text her. Now, the thing that happens with my wife is biological and natural. This isn't something that she's decided as a great way to respond, What happens is because of the surprise of not being prepared for me to come home because she has an idea of what she would like to get done, she likes to have things in order and organized and be able to be prepared, that surprise kind of catches her off guard. And when she gets caught off guard, she doesn't feel comfortable. She doesn't feel secure. She starts to feel insecure. Get it? She's starting to feel insecure. She starts to panic. And that the insecurities, that feeling of insecurity, picks up the voice of reason of the insecurity. And it starts to say things like, ah, Emil must not care. Emil doesn't care how important this is to me. He is being selfish or he's being lazy. He's not caring about our relationship. He doesn't care about my feelings. He doesn't understand how important this is for me to 
be prepared for him when he comes home, which makes it look like I'm not doing a good job as a wife. See, all these insecurities start to come out in the voice of the insecurity. So there's the feelings of insecurity, like concern, stress, and then there's the voice of the insecurity, the narrative of the insecurity. And the narrative of the insecurity does what's called the fundamental attribution error. That's a mouthful for saying, I'm finding flaws with the other person's character. Instead of trying to make sense of the behavior based on the situation, I find flaws with that person's character. That person's selfish, lazy, not caring. Instead of got distracted, was preoccupied, is stressed out. Okay? So the insecurity doesn't use the frontal cortex. It's coming from the amygdala, the primal part of our brain, our lizard brain. And so we freak out when our disappointments get triggered and they are made sense from the amygdala insecurity that doesn't use very good reasoning. Now, the reason why that's so important is my reaction from my insecurity could come across very hostile or aggressive to my partner who also might react to the way I approached her in a way that would trigger her defensiveness and the narrative of her insecurities. So now what's happening is two people have literally lost their minds and they are both emotionally reacting based on the consultant of the insecurity, the information, as if it was a guide, saying, this is what the other person's thinking and feeling. And so my insecurity is now having an argument with my partner's insecurity. And me and my partner are just along for the ride. And unfortunately, that ride is a bumpy ride where we get kicked around and bruised. And at the very end, now we have to sort through. Now, how much of that that was said by you is what you meant to say versus what your fears and insecurities were saying? And so now we have to unpack and process all that information. And because there's an incongruence between what I really think and what my fears think, that creates a sense of distrust and uneasiness kind of a a chink in the armor of a trust that we have. Thanks, Emil. This has been fantastic. We have a biological response to insecurity, of defensiveness that sabotages our relationship, and you're saying it's completely organically done. And therefore, what can we do? Well, we can train. We can train. We can literally overcome our insecurities by practicing how we want to handle situations differently. Not just with the behavior, but with the feelings. I'm going to share with you four steps to rewire your brain and overcome your insecurities. Managing them, dealing with them. Okay, so the first one is, is define the situation that makes you feel anxious, stressed, worried, sad, lonely, whatever. Insert negative, uncomfortable feeling. So that's step number one. Define the situation that makes you feel a certain way. Step number two, how do you want to feel in that situation? Not how, not what's reasonable. I don't care what's reasonable. If I brought you a smorgasbord of emotions and I said, pick the emotions 
that you want to have in the situation that you normally feel insert negative feeling. What, what emotions would you like to have? You might choose confident, calm, composed, collected. I don't know, I'm just on a bunch of C words right now, but you know, you could feel filled with light, energy, and love. That's how I want to feel in that situation. So that's step number two. We're literally reverse engineering our wiring in our brain. Step number three. Step number three is what would you have to believe about that situation so that you would feel, it would make sense to feel the way you feel in the situation that you described. So what would you have to believe to feel the feels in the situation? Now, you might have to believe that you're going to be okay, that this is good for you. You have to believe that you're not in real threat. You're not in real danger. You might have to believe that you can handle this situation well. So identify what you'd have to believe. The fourth thing is what would you do? What actions would you take? What thoughts would you have? What, what actions would you take deliberately, conscientiously? If you believed what you believed and felt what you wanted to feel, in the situation that you had? What actions would you take? Now, those actions are both internal thoughts that you deliberately choose to have, and actions would be the things that you would say, where you would go, what you would do in that situation. So, let's say I'm getting ready for a speaking gig, all right? I'm going to be presenting to 100 people, and the anticipation of that situation, I am scared and nervous. I feel anxious. I'm feeling terrible. I'm worried. And now think about that. What beliefs do I have to make me feel those feelings in that situation that I'm getting ready to go on stage? The beliefs are, I could say something and embarrass myself. I could screw this thing up. I could step on my lines. I could deliver the punchline of my joke too early or too late, or I could forget what I'm trying to say. Okay, by the way, that's happened more than once, so that those things are real, right? So I could totally make a fool of myself. That would be my belief. Now think about that. If my belief is that, then of course I'm going to feel anxious and stressed out and concerned in that situation, but I don't want to feel those feels in that situation. Okay, Emil, how do you want to feel in that situation? Well, I want to feel confident. I want to feel energized. I want to feel excited, calm in my heart, certain with how, how things are going to be. I want to feel energized. Okay, I'm filled with light, love, and electricity. That's how I want to feel. Okay, if that's how you want to feel, then what would you need to believe? What would you need to believe? in order to feel that feeling when you have an hour before you go on stage or 30 minutes or five minutes. I'd have to believe that I'm ready. I'd have to believe that I've prepared and what I have to say matters. I'd have to believe that people want to hear what I have to say. Now, what if one of those things isn't even true? What if I'm not prepared? Emil, if you're not prepared, you should not feel confident. You should not feel calm. You should feel anxious. But if I believe I'm prepared, I believe I have something to say, and I believe 
that I don't have to deliver it perfectly to deliver the message. That I can believe that I'm going to step on my own lines. I'm going to say things out of sequence. My PowerPoint presentation may glitch. Someone might heckle me or misunderstand me, and it's still going to be okay. Now, as I look at that, I look at, do I have evidence to support those beliefs, or am I just delusional? And I look, do I have evidence? Now, if I don't have evidence for that, then I need to start finding evidence, creating evidence. So if I'm not prepared, then I need to be prepared for this presentation or whatever. Okay, now I'm prepared. Or that people will like what I have to say. Well, then I better find out if people want to hear what I have to say. Usually, no one's going to have you come and speak to to, to a group if they don't already know what you're going to talk about and find value in it. So after I do the assessment of finding out, okay, these are all the things that I can support these beliefs in order to feel confident, composed, energized, electrified in that situation then what would I think, what deliberate thoughts would I have, and what actions would I take? The actions I might take is to look up, look at the people in their faces. What thoughts would I have? I have something for you. I've got a message for you, and for you, and for you. And I can't wait to share that. See, those are the thoughts. And that's making me feel excited. And I'm feeling excited in the situation that normally petrified me and made me feel anxious. Now, this process is something I can do with a variety of situations. It could be that I feel anxious every time my ex texts me. Okay, well, how do I want to feel? Comfortable, confident, composed, filled with light and love and electricity. Okay, great. What would I have to believe? I'd have to believe that I can handle this. I know how to deal with him or her. I can respond and it I'm totally fine. I have to believe that this is normal for me. I'd have to believe that I'm okay in this situation. That I'm going to be fine. I have to believe that the right thing is going to happen. The best thing is going to happen and I can handle it. Heck, I can handle it even if it isn't the right thing. I mean, I've already been going through so much crap anyway. I'm going to be okay. This isn't going to ruin my day. I'd have to believe that. Well, what actions would I take? Well, if I don't have enough evidence to support that I can handle that situation, then I might need to learn how to communicate with someone who's difficult to communicate with. There are books out there. I'm going to train. I'm going to go see a therapist to help me deal with insert personality disorder or particular person. And so I'm going to train for the things that that person will say. Well, If I don't train, then I'm not prepared. If I'm not prepared, then I should be anxious. So I'm going to prepare and train. And then I'm going to practice using that so that I will feel more confident and secure. So what actions would I take? Well, this is how I would respond. I'm going to respond this way. I'm going to respond using these communication tools. Because I already know, because I'm prepared, how he's going to respond. And I can handle that. I know my boundaries. I know how to manage those boundaries. And so now, instead of getting angst and anxiety and panic when my ex texts me, I'm completely composed. Who knows, maybe one of the things I need to do is talk to an attorney and say, hey, look, my ex is harassing me and I need to put a protective order on 
And so that, that person can't text me anymore. That might be an activity that I would do, an action. So it doesn't matter what the situation is. When we prepare for situations, the anxiety goes down. Our sense of security goes up. When we truly look at ourselves and we take that assessment, that evaluation of where our strengths and weaknesses are, and we're honest with ourselves about identifying what we need to do differently to better support ourselves, then we can be humble and accountable. When we're humble and accountable, we accept ourselves. When we accept ourselves, we become more secure. And the greater our sense of security, the quicker we reduce our insecurity. I hope you've liked this podcast about dealing with insecurities. I encourage you to take some time to write out those four steps and practice those and then meditate on those. And then if you need some help, reach out to someone that you can trust, someone that can help create a new way of thinking, believing, and doing to change the way you feel. It's said way too often that you can choose how you feel. Well, that's a lie, kind of. You can choose what you think about, okay, deliberately. You can train for situations. And if you create new beliefs that are reasonable, then you can change how you feel. If you haven't already got my book on how to deal with conflict, get it. I'm just giving it away. Uh, just pay shipping and handling. Go to emilharker.com, scroll down, click on get the free book. There's a lot of other tools that are available. There's a whole online marriage makeover, like create a marriage by design program. Fantastic program if you're ready for that. Otherwise, just at least, at least get the book. Learn the tools. Develop the skills so you can turn conflict into closeness. 